What is up, ladies and gentlemen, for the fourth week in a row now, or I guess three weeks in a behind the glass, despite the fact we say every show, it starts at the two-minute warning, despite the fact that in the text message chat, Earl and G. Bush said they'd be ready to go at the two-minute warning. The two-minute warning is here, and neither Earl or G. Bush is here to celebrate what is about to be a colossal Browns win, a complete and utter total domination of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, it is the two-minute warning now as we speak. Deshaun Watson is out. DTR is in. The Browns are looking to run the clock out. And in a minute, Anthony, we got 200 people in here already. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you for being on time. Yeah. In fact, you are not supposed to even be with us today. Uh, I appreciate you joining us. And uh, before we get into the show, what's up, my man? Hey, back in the W column, guys. And I just got to say one thing real quick. I apologize for the dog barking. And two, <laughs> I did not expect Jerome Ford to be my best fantasy running back this week. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, he. we'll talk about all the, the stuff in the games. He didn't even run the ball particularly well offensively. It was Deshaun Watson's best performance to date in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Unquestionably, defensively, my, oh, my, oh, my. I'm not quite sure there are enough adjectives in the English language to describe how well Jim Schwartz's unit is playing thus far this season. The Tennessee Titans offense might have been the Remember the Titans offense from a fictional Disney movie. That's how putrid they were today against the Browns. You got to remember, too, Anthony, the three points that Tennessee scored came off a turnover by the Browns. Tennessee didn't even get a first down. Yeah. It just happened to be in scoring range when it happened. And look who decided to join the show late as usual. Earl is connecting his mic. <laughs> He'll be in here. But Earl will join us here momentarily. G. Bush, we'll find out when he gets here. I sent the link out. At halftime, there should be no uh, no questions on where to be. But Earl Pearl, Earl, what's more impressive, the fact that the Browns held the Titans to fewer than 100 total yards or the fact that for the third postgame show in a row, Anthony was the only one here on time to join me? Uh, I'm going to go with Anthony being the only one here on time to join you. The sad part about it is I've been in the studio since the game started. Right, that's what I'm saying. And we yeah. got G Bush here too. What up, G? It ain't, it ain't even like I, I, I wasn't. It ain't <laughs> even like I ain't been here or anything like that. I've been sitting up in here posted watching the game, man. What's G, up, G? What up, my brother? How you feeling, G? Uh-oh. I hope that's a good walkout. Well, G Bush is here. Hopefully he's back from his uh, his medical sabbatical. We'll bring him back in a sec. Or we're going to give everybody two more minutes to get. We got 500 people in here already in less than two and a half minutes. So shout out to the people out there. If you have a super chat, drop it in there. Anthony will take note of it. We're going to get to do all our super chats at once in the middle of the show. If you have any questions, we will absolutely get to those questions as well. Uh, but to start, we're going to give the people out there, Earl, a, de a decision. A decision here. We want to start with Deshaun Watson or the defense. If you want us to start with Deshaun Watson – drop a one in the chat. If you want us to start with the defense, drop a two in the chat. The more ones or twos we get, we're going to determine how we start this post-game show. A one for Deshaun Watson, a two for the defense. We will talk about both. I promise you it is just whatever you want us to leave with. I see some ones, some twos. I'm seeing more ones than twos so far. We'll give another 30 seconds, uh, but it looks like Deshaun Watson is going to be where we begin this post-game show. Uh, G. Bush. 
Let's bring G back in here. G's frozen. I guess there's no G. Trying again. Still no G. All right. Well, then, Anthony and Earl, let me start with this. I will pass it off to you guys. We have been asking for a Deshaun Watson quasi-breakout game. We said this could be the week it happened with the perfect weather conditions, with a Tennessee team with a porous secondary, with no Nick Chubb and Deshaun saying, hey, it's going to come down to me or nothing because I am now the focal point of the offense and for the first time since he joined mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson looked like the guy that the Browns made their franchise quarterback. Not only was he on time, Earl, he was in rhythm, he was confident, and maybe to me most impressively as fireworks go off at Cleveland Browns Stadium as we speak, signaling a 27-23 win. What Watson did getting out of pressure, immediate pressure, was what stood out most to me. That dude, multiple times today, was immediately harassed by Tennessee Titan defensive lineman, and he made dudes miss like Houdini. And next thing you know, he was picking up first downs with nice completions to Amari Cooper and Joku, Elijah Moore, you name it. It was working. G, are you back? Can we hear you now? Can you hear us? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. G Bush. <laughs> back See, they, they, said, they said I was in, 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 two, uh, in 240p. <laughs> I mean, I need to be in high definition, definition, fellas. Listen, it's great to be back. How y'all doing? Great, brother. How you doing? <laughs> By the way, I had to put the tweet out there. By the way, Deshaun Watson was cooking. <laughs> yeah. He looked good. Saw- what were your thoughts on Deshaun? Let, let's oh, start with listen, Deshaun, man. We'll listen, defense, man. But- they must have saw my blog. I dropped the blog sometimes last week. And I said, listen, man, don't be mad at it, man. I, I, I gave the example. Listen. When you get a luxury vehicle, I understand how it feels to get a luxury vehicle and then something happened to it, right? Because when you get a luxury vehicle, you're paying that much money a month for the car, you feel like you automatically should not have no problems with it. I get it. I I bought a luxury vehicle the first time in my life, and I'm like, listen, what you mean you got to go to the shop? I was upset because back if if you got a regular car, a regular old beater with no payment, you ain't got a problem. You understand it's going to break down. But I told people, I said, it doesn't matter whether it's a quarterback or a car. A car is a car, and it's going to break down sometimes. A quarterback is a quarterback. It's going to break down sometimes. It's all about what mechanic you send the, send the guy to. And Kevin Stefanski needed to be the, 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 the mechanic, and what he did is pared it down like I told him to do it in the blog. Listen. It ain't no, it is not a knock on you because you pay $230 million and you feel like you don't want to run play action or you you don't want to match protect or you don't want to dumb it down a little bit so you get comfortable. And what we saw today was Deshaun Watson got comfortable throwing the ball to tight ends, throwing the ball short, and it was the a la Baker Mayfield playbook. But the great part about it was when he got hot, you can always evolve and upgrade on the Baker Mayfield playbook. And you started to see them throws down the middle of the field, the 10-plus yard plays, the big chunk plays. And, and and you know how you know they felt good? That chest bump between Stefanski and, and Deshaun Watson was like, "Woo, we got that monkey off our back because today was the day that can't nobody in Brown's community, can't nobody in, in outside of the, uh, the community walls, they can't say that they didn't see what we talking about with Deshaun Watson. When he got in that rhythm, the Browns was dangerous today. Earl, right, what do you think? I mean, composed, calm, cool, collected, comfortable. 
Uh, I mean, pick any, pick any one, pick any C word you want, man. That was Deshaun Watson on this Sunday. Uh, shout out to him for blocking out the noise to coming back and redeeming himself after playing horrible on Monday Night Football. Uh, it was a performance that we was all looking for, right? That performance that let us know that, okay, Deshaun Watson is still that dude. No, he didn't have a fancy three, 400 yards, but that's not what we was asking for. We was asking for our quarterback to come out here, have command of the huddle, be comfortable in the offense, stay cool, stay collected, uh, make some plays when it was necessary to make some plays. One of the things that's most impressive to me, no interceptions. And yep. that was something that I was looking for, a game where Deshaun Watson himself was not responsible for a turnover. And so shout out to him for that. You know, like I told you, I'm a big Deshaun Watson supporter. Uh, Monday, I was on here raising hell, giving him hell because he earned it. Today, I'm giving him praise and I'm, I'm going to give him all the credit in the world because he earned it. We have an obligation to call it like I see it, to call it like we see it. Today, Deshaun Watson balled out. He did what he had to do to lead his team to victory, man. It just seemed like uh, this was a statement game for the Cleveland Browns in a way. You know, they talked a lot about coming out here and playing for 24, doing it for Nick Chubb. And they weren't empty words. You know, this team, they, they had their foot on the gas from the first snap of the game to the, to the end of the game. You know, it's a cool thing when four minutes to go in the game, your rookie quarterback can get some, uh, yeah. some much-needed reps. That's, that's a cool <laughs> thing. Yes, sir. It was yes, DTR sir. time, but not, uh, not the DTR time we had thought. It's crazy. That the thing about Watson, too, and as Earl said, he deserved all the criticism he got last week. He was bad against the Steelers. He was great today. He arguably made the worst play of his career in this game, and it didn't rattle him at all mentally. He came right back and followed up that. I don't know what you guys want to call that play, like brain fart. Like, I don't even know what you decide to say. He threw the ball backwards with maybe his best throw in a Browns uniform. Like, legitimately, the very next throw. Now, it was pass interference. Cooper didn't catch it. He drew a 30-yard penalty. But they went from second and, like, 31 to first down in field goal territory. The fact that he was able to collect himself immediately after that, because it with everything that's happened in the last eight games with Deshaun Watson here, a play like that, the stadium booed him like crazy. That could have been, could have been the snap, effort, I'm done, whatever moment. Instead, it was the opposite. That kind of fueled him into his best performance as a Brown, and it was pretty damn impressive to watch. It's one game. We got to see it consistently before we know he's officially – Back for good, just like one bad game last week wasn't the nail in the coffin on Deshaun Watson. But you can look at every throw he made today. Of the, what, 30 passes he threw, I tracked 25 were on the money. Three were bad, and two were just off time and throwaways. That's pretty, pretty, pretty freaking good quarterback play, guys. Like, I'm going to tell you top what. Top level, top notch, damn good quarterback play. When, when, so so I've been giving you, you know, you know, I've been going a week, so I got all the analogies written down, Earl. <laughs> I got him. You know what I'm saying? Listen, that's that's just like McNuggets. Y'all talking about y'all to be producing shows, right? Say, for instance, you line up a guest that don't really hit. Maybe a topic or two don't hit, right? You're not about to go in the tank. You know why? Because you're like, bro, I do this. This is what I do for a living. I've been producing. I'm over 200, 300, 1,000 shows. You think one show going to derail me? We're going to come back and hit it out the park the next day. And Deshaun Watson, I think, was looking at yourself in the mirror. And it only takes one person, and it only takes a, a little glimpse of what you used to be and, and to get that confidence to be like, oh, no, I'm that guy. And that's the great thing about it. When you look at what he did, 
I'm, I'm just looking at the stats. Forget the 289 because it should have been over three bills because they screwed us out of that, yeah. out of that, that, that Amari that Cooper play. play. Don't think we ain't talking about it. But 80, listen, 81% in the completion. Yeah. Uh, listen, 8.8 average and 123.4 in, in, in the rating against a QB rating. That means you are seeing the ball. You are seeing the field well. And I thought they did a great job of saying this. All right, Tennessee. We're not, we're not looking for a deep shot. We're not looking for Marquise Goodwin for 45 yards. We're going to hit you underneath. We're going to go at you underneath for, 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 for the whole game. And if you're going to give that up, we're going to take it. And I started, you started to see that, that moxie. You started to see that, that, that elite quarterback where it's just like, I remember being in Tennessee Titans some games, be like, dang, we ain't playing bad, but we, this dude yeah. keep dotting us up. I can't. We can't get off the field, and that's what you saw today. And and, and, and I think Deshaun Watson. Somebody came over him from the defensive side of the ball and said, "Look, hey, we're elite over here. Don't worry about us. You just worry about getting the points where we can get them because they're not gonna score on us." And when you when you start to understand that is complimentary football, I think then you start taking the training wheels off, and now we see the way we need to play without Nick Chubb to win football games moving forward. I mean, speaking of, speaking of, you know, the way that you need to play without Nick Chubb, let me go back to a few more, a few points that G made there. Um, again, Watson was excellent today. He took what the defense gave him, you know, regardless, of, we don't know what the play call was that was dialed up, but whatever was there, he took it, you know, last week after the, or Monday after, after that, after that horrible loss, you know, Zadarius Smith said Deshaun Watson walked straight up to him and apologized. And Z told him, man, you don't owe me no apology. We got you, bro. You know, we all have bad games. And so the defense is definitely there for Deshaun Watson. They there to pick him up. You know, he came out there today. He was confident. He did what he had to do. As you said, the Browns finally played complimentary football. What I love was that even without Nick Chubb, the Browns did not change how they've approached every game this season. They didn't change their style of play at all. Gee, Mike, we, were, we, we threw the ball 33 times. We ran the ball another 31 times. So here it is again, without Nick Chubb, you know, still showing that balanced offensive attack. Got to. Still showing the ability to be able to run the football. Not quite as effective as it would be with Nick Chubb, but we knew that, right? You know what I mean? But still having that balanced attack made everything so much more smooth, so much more crisp. A lot of people thought that, you know, going forward, it was going to be all on four. That everything going forward was going to be on his right arm and, and him carrying this like that. And so... You know, just to see the balance offensive attack, just to see how Deshaun Watson led this offense, to see Amari Cooper to go over 100 yards with a touchdown. Um, you know, finally we got a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. So it's like a lot of great things went on on that side of the ball today. And it just goes to show this defense is elite. You know, I tweeted this out last week and people was laughing at me. The Cleveland Browns have a Super Bowl caliber defense. Regardless of what people want to say about Deshaun Watson, the Browns offense, Kevin Stefanski's play calling, et cetera. That defensive, that defense, it will travel on the road. This defense will go everywhere. Mike, I've told you this from, from, from the beginning of the season. The moment that I seen this defense in preseason, I knew it was real because it's an attitude behind it. It's a style of play behind it, no matter who's on the, on, on the field. And if the offense can just continue to give them what they gave them today, that'll go a long way. You know, the offense ain't got to go out here putting up 28, 35 points. Do what you did today, and you'll probably win every single time you step out there, the way that this defense is playing. Earl, they held the Titans to 94 total yards. 
94 total. <laughs> listen, that team push, that's like Canton McKinley playing a private school in week zero of the right. Like holding an Ooh. NFL team to 94 total yards is damn near improbable. I don't know the exact number against Pittsburgh. I believe it was 246. Or we look up the total number of yards the Browns allowed to Pittsburgh in week two. But they held Cincinnati to 154 yards of total offense in week one, G. They I mean, held Joe Burrow to under 100 passing yards. They've played three quarterbacks this season. Kenny Pickett, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill. 67% of the quarterbacks they've played this season have not eclipsed triple-digit passing yards. Two of the think, – just think about that. Think about that. Two of the three quarterbacks they've played have not eclipsed 100 passing yards. Man, it's think just, of that. I, and take I, out – if you go if, against Pittsburgh – if you take out Kenny Pickett's 71-yard pass to George Pickett, which I know, listen, you can't take a play out. I get it. But if you take one play out of the equation, I don't think he had 100 passing yards either. I, I, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, and, and I, think it's, it, I think there's a lot of people, and, and I ain't going to say no names, that owe Miles Garrett a, 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 a little bit of an apology. For the last couple of years, we've been hearing people question his PFF grades. For the last couple of years, people question his motor. For the last couple of years, you know, they question his judgment. Is he mature or not? Listen, you got the best defensive end on your team, and it's been that way for, for five or six years. Go ahead and celebrate the man and stop acting like you want somebody else to be better. Hey, I'm from Cleveland. You can have Micah Parsons. You can have TJ Watt. I'm a ride with Miles Garrett. And what you see right now is what Miles Garrett is able to do when he's unleashed by Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz is over there looking like a smooth criminal. This dude got glasses on. He got shades. They dark. You can't see his eyes. This dude is laughing at these dudes because he know what he got. When you see Ogbo, when you see Zadarius Smith, when you see Alex Wright, they nine or so deep. I see y'all in the chat. And guess what? It's funny to me because all of a sudden we had to wait all these games to see it. Now, I'm going to go on UCSS, and I'm going to ask him, is it too early to say they're elite? Or maybe y'all want to wait to the week six or seven. Maybe y'all want to wait. <laughs> y'all want to wait to week ten, but I'm I'm gonna stamp them because I'm gonna keep it real. When you playing teams like that and they under a hundred yards, where do you see that at? I watch the Browns now just to look at the defensive scheme. I'm like, that ain't they so cold. Everybody's I get, nice. I get more excited when the defense comes out on the field, and that's no shot at the offense. I just think the defense is that much fun to watch. And in week one, Earl, let you go one sec. In week one, we saw Miles Garrett the crossover dribble, right? And that was like that's insane that's Jim Schwartz motioned the defensive ends today did y'all catch that and then Mike Vrabel called a timeout and guess what happened after the timeout he still got the sack yes. he, okay. he motioned my, uh, he, uh, they the Titans moved a, 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 a tight end excuse me and a chip blocker to the left side so they could be on Miles Garrett's side Miles Garrett said ha psych and then he motioned to the right side they call a timeout it comes back he still got the sack Miles Garrett right now, I, I don't, there's got to be a better cliche, G, and I'm asking, I'm giving you homework tomorrow. You need a better cliche than he's playing checkers when, or he's playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. you got to give me the real Miles Garrett analogy for that tomorrow. But right now, what Jim Schwartz is doing with Miles Garrett is not equal to anything any offensive coordinator is doing with his offensive line and his protection to stop number 95. And I ain't even finna dumb it down to Miles Garrett. We all know Miles Garrett is great, but, you know, I'll, I'll start off by saying this. You know, me and Mike, you know, and Ant, when we were we're putting together a show, we try to come up with creative impact questions to ask you all, you know, going forward. 
And some of it is a little redundant. I'm saying that to say going forward, we will not be asking you all no more. It's the Cleveland Browns defense for real. I think that's that's a silly question. That's we gotta ask it one more time this week, just so both. Just <laughs> so we gotta, we gotta, get, we gotta ask we, it this week, just so both could we, we could get everyone on the same page. So we can so we can all come to a conclusion. Yes. Does I, anybody now want to erupt this? As we now for a thing, I am not participating in that part of the <laughs> building because to me that's that's it's a dumb question to ask at this point. Man. Oh no, and, it's a dumb question. We gotta get everyone on the same page. We gotta. Yeah, have people, I mean, we gotta I, have both come out and say, listen, you know what? Listen, I we could we could we could talk about how many yards they did allow, they didn't allow for me it's been the same thing it's the swag it's the attitude it's the attention to detail man it's the energy that these dudes play with you know what i mean you could go out there and you might have a game to where you give up two three hundred yards right but if you're making the right plays at the right moment they still showing up to play this defense shows up to play every single game man the attitude that this defense have it reflects their leader jim schwartz right you see these dudes like miles garrett who had a hell of a game today. And nobody talked about how great Denzel Ward played. Oh, man. Delpit continues to stand out. They what about dropping Anthony Walker they out here balling it out bro. today? Like, it's just every everything about what this Browns defense is doing, like, it solidified to me what I've already thought, that it was for real, that this is a Super Bowl caliber defense, that everything about that particular unit can carry this Browns team as far as it needs to go if you just get a little bit from the offense. Right. Um, All you need is a little bit from this offense, and that's good enough on a bad day to get you a dub. Uh, real quick, the Dolphins just put up seventy points with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins yeah, have I seventy points with eight minutes in the fourth quarter. They got a Seven, track team. Seven the Browns might not give up seventy points all year. They got a track team, boy. That, the Browns that, might not give up seventy points and, all year. And Tua and Tua was like twenty six or twenty six or something stupid. Like, yeah. like they they got it. They got a dope squad. Um, I'm interested to see if they can keep that up. Um, but right now they look like the best offensive team in the league. Um, but right now I will say that the Browns look like if you take the Cowboys, um, you know, they lost Trayvon Diggs, uh, which is which is a big one. But I think the Cowboys and the Browns and the 49ers are in that mix as well, especially the Eagles. Um, yeah, but but Earl mentioned and it's not just Miles Garrett, the secondary. I, I mean. It's time to put some respect on Denzel Ward's name um, because I've been tough on Denzel. But right now, he's playing like the best corner in the game. Right now, he, he listen, he don't even got a hold on the backside. He just, he be laughing at these dudes, man. He just be like, nope, I saw you over there. Uh, you thought you were catching this? Nope, you're not. I'm going to knock the ball down. Yeah. They playing at it. And, and Grant Delpit? <laughs> Grant, and, and all of a sudden, the Browns don't miss tackles either. Yeah, open field tackles. Open field. Yeah. Open field third tackles. and three. They need three. Nope. We'll tackle you for I one. Think it was the it was the one dude Spears, right? It was like a second and three, third and three. Um, looked like they had some space, and my man MJ Emerson came up and get tackled him for the loss. You know, a, a, a days after being in that same situation and not being able to come through. This team do not miss tackles in open field. This team seemed like they don't even let you get out to the line of scrimmage when you going wide. You know what I mean? And so, like, things like that are very impressive, right? And things like that, you know, now going forward, we're looking for that to be sustained. And I believe yep. that it will be. You know, the conversation now switches to if they don't play like that, now we got real questions. Yeah, and that, that's what comes with expectations. They're going to play some better offenses moving forward. Uh, Tennessee's offense, I don't think any of us were particularly scared of them. Pittsburgh's offense, we, we did a whole topic on does anyone – 
on Pittsburgh scare you. There was some inclement weather against the Bengals, but all those excuses be damned. This Browns defense is legit start to finish. And just to put a little context to what they've done and try to give everybody a little better understanding of why it's working is they're able to generate pressure because they have so many damn good pass rushers that the guys in the secondary can be more aggressive. They can be more physical off the line of scrimmage. They could try and jump routes because they know if the quarterback doesn't get out or release the ball in a second and a half, two seconds tops, he's getting hit. And G. Bush, I, I would love for you with your expertise in the defensive line and playing high-level Division One football on, on that side of the ball, how much more free does that make it for a secondary guy knowing that he only has to cover for two seconds, two and a half seconds tops, and then on the other end, how good does it feel as a defensive lineman knowing, hey, even if my first move doesn't get there, it's still worth countering because my guys on the back end are sticky. Like, like how how are those two things symbiotic to creating such an elite defense? It's, 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 it means the world. Like, you know, sometimes I get so frustrated because people naturally assume that the, all defensive coordinators are smart just because they got the job. They're not. There's a lot of people that get these jobs, and it's just like guys that you know at a, over at your CVS. Oh, your uncle, your uncle's the uh, district manager. You automatically get the best shifts. Oh, you know what? Somebody's son, or you knew somebody. And there's a lot of people. How many people that you work for that are just simply incompetent? You don't know anything. You're fresh out of college, but you're telling somebody who's done it for 40 years how to do it. I don't be respecting it. When you see Jim Schwartz, what he does is says, look. I'm freeing everybody up. Don't even worry about that. I want plays. And you know what I respect about him so much? He said, I'm going to make it punitive if you don't celebrate after the sack. I need everybody celebrating. I said, it blows my mind. How many coaches do we know? Stay in your gap. Be in Have integrity. And then act like you've been there before. <laughs> What? Like, like you don't like players don't like that. Don't y'all get it by now? We want to be fun. We want to we want to have fun playing the game of football. We want to have energy to have energy and play with effort. You have to like your guys who you playing with. And you got to be able to say, listen, I want to get sacks too. them guys back there. They want to get interceptions and picks too. look at the stuff he's been innovated with. They put defense alignment in motion. You know how fun that is? That's so sweet. So you see how sweet that listen, it made me feel like I could go out and, and, and rush the passer three or four more times and then die because <laughs> I only got about three more plays in my life, period. Like these is life reps. Like if I get three plays, I'm dead. You got to put me to rest. But that is why Miles Garrett is playing so enthusiastic. The secondary is playing enthusiastic. And that's why you see Jim Short sometimes chuckling over there because he knows y'all don't got a shot. Y'all don't got a shot in hell in here, bro. Y'all just don't love it. I, I just think it was something about this day, man, that, you know, Tennessee, like, didn't have a shot at all. And it's our job to come out here and analyze this game and, and give our talking points, man. But to me, man, the reality of it is, is, is real simple. It was this. It was this. You know, Jason talked about the attitude, the emotions of those dudes in the locker room Monday night after Nick Chubb went down. We heard from countless players all week long, you know, just wanting to talk about Nick Chubb. Grant Delpit is doing this press conference the other day. That and he like, nah, I I need to talk, I need to talk about Chubb. To me, it wasn't all talk. It was for real. You know, they they felt that loss like like it's it's hard to explain. It's almost like they felt it in their soul, so to speak, right? And they came out there, man, and 
they epitomized everything that Nick Tubb is, right? They left everything out on the field. They played zero games with anybody. They came out focused. They came out ready to play. They came out willing to do whatever they could to get that dub. You know, to see your brother, the best player on his team, arguably, go down the way that he go down, and to see how dejected that this team was after that happened, and just to see the mantra being the same all week long, man. Go win for 24. Like, that that's something that, to me, that gave the Titans no chance. I'm just being totally honest. Like, that gave the Titans no chance, man. We won that game 27-3. The difference is 24. Today is the 24th, man. Ironically, today is my late father's birthday. He would have been 62. Got the dub for him, too, man. So, like, to me, I think it was, like, an an emotional surge, like, emotional charge that went into this whole game Mm -hmm. that, like, we can analyze this however we want to. Tennessee had no shot, man, because they did this for 24. That's the bottom line. We asked on Friday. What is doing it for Chubb? What is playing for Nick Chubb look like? Miles Garrett said he would not let Nick Chubb's loss go in vain. And I put it out on Twitter. You guys have been watching the Browns more close than I have uh, for longer. But I don't think I can remember a better half of football from any defensive player I've ever seen than Miles Garrett in the first half. Like, if you guys can think of a better half that he's ever played, some people said the first half of the Chicago game a few years back. I have to go back and look at it. I think he had three sacks in that half. But Miles Garrett had the sack to end the half that stopped Tennessee from getting a field goal. He had the half sack with Ogbo earlier. He had the sack and the pressure on the first drive of the game. He had a run stuff on Derrick Henry on his yep. first carry. It was, in, in my mind, almost impossible for Miles Garrett to play any better. Uh, Earl, I got a question for you real quick. And we're not going to make a big deal out of this because it had no impact on the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. The refs screwed Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson there. Plain, flat, point-blank period. They screwed Amari Cooper. He did not step out of bounds. He was not close. Uh, the, the reason the whistle was blown was, according to Gene Steratore on the broadcast, the referee thought Cooper had stepped out prior to making the catch, came back in, and that would have been illegal touching. Blew the play dead. It turns out Cooper never stepped out before, never stepped out after, and whether or not he would have scored, we don't know. He would have to beat another defender. But he certainly would have picked up another 20, 25 yards at a minimum. That that play was so damn stupid. I, I don't know. How, why why, did he, why blow the whistle in the first place? Because you can always go back and reverse the call. But once the whistle's blown, you can't then resume play after. You know what I mean? It, hey, G, I'm about to preach to McNuggets, man. Please feel free to back me up on this. Mike, here's the situation here in Cleveland, man. This has been the case, right? For whatever reason, the Cleveland Browns are always on the wrong side of, of a whistle when it comes to plays that we bookmark as far as rules that needs to be changed at the end of the season, when they talk about rule changes for the next year. And what I appreciate about this particular Sunday and times in the past, uh, a, a blown call of that magnitude that takes points off the board that would have mentally dis- disrupted the Cleveland Browns. That would have threw the Cleveland Browns off their game and many moments in the past. And ultimately, probably could have cost us a win. There's been plenty of times in the past that we could have been up here talking about a game that we'd have lost by four points, and we could go back and point to a missed call by a referee that that would have cost us. But on this particular Sunday, man, I seen the Cleveland Browns team that was poised, that was focused on their task at hand. They didn't give a damn about a missed call and didn't let that missed call 
be the reason why they didn't go out here, handle business and get this dub. Um, you can't miss calls like that. You know, I think that the penalties for referees who miss calls like that need to be a little bit more severe than what they currently are. If this was not week three, if this was wild card weekend and you missed a call like that, and that could have possibly cost this team the game, then that should have possibly cost you your job. And the one thing you won't ever hear me say too much is costing somebody their job, their life, or or their freedom. Those are three things that I don't play around with and that I don't wish on nobody. But when you when you have that job of that magnitude and that type of responsibility, like you got to do your due diligence to make sure you're thorough. We have a responsibility and we try to do the best that we can to make sure we thorough. And granted, everybody make mistakes. But for me, it's more so about shout out to the Browns for not letting that situation really disrupt them mentally. And shout out to the Browns for making sure that that six points that was taken off the board didn't have nothing to do with the differential of the game. All, all, All I'm saying is, it's like, it just seems very constant that the Browns are on the wrong end of a whistle of a play that you typically got a bookmark and say, bookmark and say, okay, this is something that needs to be changed. You know, as far as the rules, they blew the play dead. It was nothing that you could do as far as challenging it, but everybody, man, know that was six on the board and shout out to Cooper for going back to get six. Anyway, yeah. they tried to take your touchdown away and you wouldn't have got six anyway. So shout out to you. I, you know, Earl, I, I, I think I could echo your sentiment because there's been plays. I remember Washington game where they gave Washington at the time it was the Redskins commanders uh, a fumble that Duke Johnson clearly had in his hands. He got up, showed them the ball. Like, what do you mean I fumbled? They turn around and be like, it's commander's ball. And I'm like, how can you really do that? You go back to Bottlegate. But this one, it's egregious because here's the thing. I, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, why would why would why would a referee do this for one person or why do it's not just against the Browns? That's just something in your mind. Let me just be clear about this. Human bias is a part of psychology. Let's be clear. We yep. there are biases, stereotypes, all different types of things that go into a human component. When the Cleveland Browns have always been bad and the first thing they mention on the broadcast is how terrible we've been, our quarterbacks, and it's just a, a it's just a, a fire. You know, it's a dumpster fire. After last week, people were like, I'm glad Deshaun Watson didn't play well, so we don't have to talk about him. If you think it's a coincidence that referees always err on the side of, well, I, we're going to give it to the other team. Let me ask you a question. If, if that was Tom Brady, would they have blew that, that play dead? No. If, if it's a great quarterback, if it's the Dallas Cowboys, if it's Patrick Mahomes, there was no way they're blowing that thing dead because they're going to say, no, let it ride out. We can go back and look at it. And by the way, Gene Steratore, you lied about that because when there's a legal touching, when you force, you come back in, and, and the referee has to throw his hat down. You don't just get to blow it dead. What are you talking? That's not a thing. So if he would have, if Mari Cooper goes out of bounds, comes back in as the first person to touch the ball, that's a legal touchy. He has to throw his hat, his hat down to even, even trigger that. So him blowing the whistle dead had nothing to do with, well, we thought that he was out of bounds. No, did he tell you that? He just missed it. He thought he was out of bounds. He wasn't, he blew the whistle and he knew he should have let it roll and then went back to review it. That's on him. And the Browns, unfortunately, get too many 
of those things happen against him. But as Earl said, you can always tell when you when you when you start to get to the championship level because the defense was like, "Don't worry about it, we'll get it back." And Deshaun Watson did get it back, and that's the thing that we can look we can say we're excited about that they made up for that. Uh, speaking of which, one more thing on that play. Yeah, I know it was blown dead. Yo, that that corner, I can't think who it was for Tennessee. I'm laughing right now because I know he was praying to God they blew that whistle. Yo, Omari was shaking his drawers off on that play. He had him turned around every way that you can think of. He was dying for the ref to call a play dead. Yeah. He was He's lost. clapping it up. He Let's was go. lost in the sauce. <laughs> Everywhere I've ever worked, this is now my fourth media market, has thought that the refs hate them. So it's just natural that any fan base is going to say refs hate them. I have a few friends who were Titans fans from when I worked in Tennessee, and they were saying the refs were uh, biased towards Cleveland today, which I, I found hard to believe. Wait, so, wait. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, ser- I'm serious. They were like – they said Jeffrey Simmons getting held every play, and, it, and Sean, Burf, uh, Sean Murphy bunting didn't hold. Cool. It is – you're always going to think the refs are against you. I, I, who's to say if they would have called that for Tom Brady? Like, like, who the hell knows? All I know is a terrible call. Whether they thought it was illegal touching, whether they thought he stepped out – it was an abomination, and it's pretty damn sad that a play like that, where we have 7,000 cameras on the field, we have a camera in the damn pylon that could zoom. We have a camera that zooms in the pylon, yet we can't figure out in live time, like, if someone steps on an actual sideline or not. Like, it, it, it's just a joke. Uh, Kareem Hunt, guys, he made his debut. He had four carries, I believe, or maybe five at the end, had a couple catches out the backfield. What did you see from number 27? Did you think he still had enough of a burst to be a part of this offense moving forward? I saw I saw a dude that, you know, was happy to be playing football for his hometown team. I saw a dude who whose energy seemed like it was infectious on everybody on that sideline, whose energy seemed like it was infectious to, towards everybody that was that was in that stadium. You know, I can we can look at the numbers all day long. We can look at the box sheet all day long, but you know what he brings, and and just the just the inspiration and motivational factor. Like it was all out there. You know, this is a dude who, again, back to the Chubb factor. Uh, great friends with Nick Chubb, somebody who felt that loss loss significantly, significantly. And um, we seen Hunt. It kind of looked like man, you know, he stepped in and picked up where he left off. If I'm being totally honest with you, you know, he did great and uh, and pass protection when he was out there on those particular downs. What he had five carries for 13 yards. He had another two catches for 22 yards off of three targets. So, I mean, what he had, what 35 yards in his first football action since January? Not too shabby. Picked up a couple blocks, you know, was in game shape enough to be out there to be on the football field. He was out there on the football field in the first quarter. And so, like, you know, Kareem Hunt did what he had to do. You know, shout out to him. I'm glad he's back. Um, I think that he will continue to be an inspirational role going forward. This whole thing is about not just this Sunday. Every game forward, man, we're doing this for 24. G? Yeah, I, I thought he played, I thought he played uh, well. I think um, one of the biggest things that really helped us was a familiar face at, at the right time. Um, we all know that, that Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt is, is really tight. We all know what the one-two punch that we wanted for Kareem Hunt. And I thought it was it was like one of those one of those things where you know say you may lose somebody, but it's always good to see a familiar face that 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 feels that loss too, but also comes back and picks you up a little bit and be like, hey guys, we still good. I found myself as he's watching. I thought he ran the ball hard, 
got a couple of yards, you know, got a couple of forced downs. And I think think he's going to be a, a bigger part of this offense. And, and I just have to say this, man. You know, nowadays, you know, with 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 the with analytics and, and the way p- p- uh, fantasy football is working, I think a lot of times when we analyze in the sport, we completely leave out the human element. We completely leave out uh, inspiration. We completely live out the the, the way the, the your soul counts in the way you play the football game. And so when people will tell you, oh, that don't matter. He lost a step. He ain't no good. They can You can get a running back anywhere. That is not the way sports works. You just don't pick people over here and over here, throw them together and say it works. It doesn't. You got to be believing in the next guy. Energy counts. Effort counts. Playing for your playing for your teammate counts. All of those things are things that that we we take for granted in the sport because we're into instant gratification and just let's just talk about the quarterback and who's elite. You're starting to see that people matter. Nick Chubb mattered, and and for all those people, I was going a week. I, I I guarantee ain't nobody saying ah you know you go ahead and get rid of Nick Chubb ah Nick Chubb don't mean nothing ah we can go get somebody nah bro you saw that nah. firsthand nah we ain't about that y'all gotta re <laughs> you gonna revisit that so ask my Mike, thing is, ask that, Mike I was standing at the virtual door like this all week bet you won't come in here with that Nick Chubb nonsense yeah. you know what I'm saying <laughs> no <laughs> so none of that slander we, and yeah, by we the way having that man they and by the way they run the ball well today the Mikey Browns, can we since y'all the producers can, can we get rid of this too can we get rid of this the, the the talk about whether a team is good or not and you won I, I'm tired of being like if you lose to a bad team you suck but if you beat a team that people perceive is is not that good you get no credit for it and you'd be the bad team. Let's wait till you see what you do against X team. Or can we stop saying, oh, it's too early, bro. Nick Chubb's in- injury shows you every time you step on that field could be your last snap. Yeah. So don't tell me about it was early. It wasn't too early for him to lose his knee for the year. Early don't count no more. These is games we counting and we about to win them. We trying to win them. That's if what we, it's about. If we going off, if we going off that metric, man, Jacksonville stuck to the end. Cause yeah. they getting man, they they got their butts handed to them today. There's so, only 17 games in a season, not one counts more than any other. It's yeah. not Major League Baseball. You play 162, you lose a couple in the middle, whatever. You have 158 to get back. There's only yeah. 17 games. Like that's it. Six are division games. You have 11 non-division games. Everyone is equally important, especially in an AFC that has as much, at least talent on paper. The AFCs, I think, has actually been a little bit of a disappointment. Top to bottom, some of the teams we thought and expected to be pretty good have not looked all that good so far. But other teams that we didn't think may be as uh, good, like Miami, has come out and looked like absolute world burners. But the Browns' defense, I want to ask you guys this question. We've seen two and a half weeks of football. There's still a few games left to go. Is the Browns' defensive unit the best unit we've seen from any team in football? Like the Browns' defense – versus Miami's offense or the Browns defense versus San Francisco's defense is the Browns defensive core. Those 11 guys, 15 with Schwartz. Is that the best unit in football right now? I'm thinking like you thinking G, cause I think it's only between it's, it's between us and maybe one, two other teams. And the team is not San Francisco. I, I, I think it's between us and maybe Dallas. I think yeah. it's you, you, count off, you count offenses in here though. I'm saying like, you could put like Miami's offense. I, 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 oh, you, oh, you yeah. mean like okay, so like, like we, any individual, so that there's thirty, uh, there's sixty four choices. Each team has an offense and a defensive unit. 
So two per team. Is the Browns' defense, if you're ranking the best units in football, I feel like right, this be, might be biased. Five, gotta be. This top might five, be biased. Right? This might be in the moment. I'm gonna put the Browns' defensive unit number one, and I'm gonna put it ahead of the Miami Dolphins' offense. And this offense just put up 70 points. Here's why: We're talking about the NFL in 2023, right? Mm-hmm. Where scoring points is a thing. Where where high powered offenses, as many yards, as many points as you as you can score. That's what the NFL wants. That's what the NFL is looking for. The Cleveland Browns gave up one touchdown drive this entire season. The Cleveland Browns gave up, I think, less than 18 total first downs this entire season. 21 now. 21, 21 now. Okay. Which is this still by season. far the lowest in football. My bad. So my, my whole point is this. And the, the Cleveland Browns the defense Colts is just over, the Ravens. It's overly dominant in a league that's geared towards offense. The Browns defense is being overly dominant in a league that's geared towards people scoring a lot of points, putting up a lot of yards. And yet somehow, some way, this is a team that faced a high-powered, almighty Cincinnati Bengals. Shut that down. You just shut down the Ravens. At the end of the day, the, the, the Titans, I mean, you just shut down the Steelers. At the end of the day, the Titans offense is not world beaters. But we all know Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry he can beat you by himself. And you shut those, you shut them down as well. So it might be a little emotional, it might be a little biased in a moment, but I will rank the Browns defense number one. I will put the Miami Dolphins uh offensive unit number two. I would probably put the Cowboys defense three, probably put the uh San Francisco uh 49ers defense four. It's hard to right, right now, right now I'm, I'm gonna go with the Browns. Um, just because it is. Trayvon Diggs is out a little bit. I know you got Michael Parsons or whatever the case may be with that. Um, Dallas is a really good defense. San Francisco, really good defense. But I had the Cleveland Browns for one reason. Um, it, it, it's it's not the fact that it's the frontier guys. that They do it in a lot of different ways. Um, they, they, they play, slush, you know, quietly. Greg Newsom wasn't even in. Mitchell was playing, didn't notice anything. The first week against the Bengals, Juan Thornhill didn't play. Didn't notice nothing. Uh, Alex Wright got a lot of playing time. Didn't notice anything, right? You, there's a lot of different guys that's moving around. And the reason why I'm going to say they're so dominant is because guys that were weak links last year, JOK looks phenomenal. <laughs> he, he looks phenomenal. He went from a po- yeah. point in time where, where we had people say cut him to now he's scraping off making tackles. Uh, and listen, a walk. I apologize, bro. I had, to, I had to come back and apologize to you. He, I said he was just a guy. He's a jag. He's out here playing like he's an all pro. Grant Delpit. I mean, it's just not one or two guys that they're doing it. So I got the Browns up there. I got the. I, I think what the what the Dolphins are doing are really, really, really innovative. I think they're calling plays like they got just these packages with these guys with Jaden uh, Waddle and, and, and Tyreek Hill. I think two is playing out of his mind. And then I would go a third to Dallas Cowboys, uh, followed by, I would say, the uh, the 49ers and the Eagles are up there as well. But right now, the Cleveland Browns, if you think about it, they gave up, what, 12 points last week? Yeah, they defense defense. gave up 12 points, correct. Yeah. They gave up three points this this week. And then Monday or in the first game, how much? They, how many points they gave up? Three, three? right? Three. Yeah. Come on, man. They're 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 eighteen there. points in three yeah. games. The defense they're playing out there, man. Six points per game, a lot against. It's we, we give up field goals, fam. That's crazy. <laughs> we give up field goals, fam. Well, there, there really isn't enough. Like I said, there's not enough 
positive ways to describe what they've done. Jim Schwartz, we hyped up that signing. Like it was the second coming of Jesus. And I don't think it was enough hype. Like I think somehow we undersold it despite the fact that we all at the moment thought it was a home run slam dunk. Can't miss higher. He's been better than advertised. And somehow, some way, he hasn't only unlocked Miles Garrett, but he's found a way to simplify everything to allow each individual person on that defense, all 11 guys who are on the field, whether it's Newsom, Cam Mitchell, McLeod, Thornhill in the second, it doesn't matter who it is, for each of those 11 players to react and not think. And when these guys are reacting, and Andrew Barry, to his credit, has done a really good job drafting athletes. And the, the issue was, can they play within the system that was presented to them? And Joe Woods last year, had a very conservative system. And, G, you could, you know, you've talked about this before. If you want to explain on it again, you'd be my guest. But they were always thinking, and they seemed to be a half step late, and they weren't reacting. And that seemed to be what miss, was missing last year. They weren't aggressive. And Jim Schwartz has come on. He's cranked the aggressiveness up to a 50. He said, stop thinking, just play football like you know how to do. And every one of these guys has been able to produce not just at a level that we thought was possible, but they've exceeded even our – unrealistic expectations like that's how good they've been through three weeks and that's not hyperbole oh it's not and it's re- it's repeatable too um yeah. so you know that that's why i'm 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 very anti this is early on in the season this is if you go back and we just watch football you're a student in the game you understand the two things that that really travel uh it, it is defense special teams effort in the run game those things can you can do that whether it's you you in Miami and it's ninety degrees or you in North Dakota and you playing a JV game on a Tuesday night that that travels everywhere and if you can consistently get that done and what's more impressive was it was a heartbreaking loss um, to the Steelers a lot of people was down on Deshaun Watson you lose your best player Nick Chubb. Uh, you couldn't muster any points, and the defense played lights out, and you still lost that game in front of a national audience. The hardest thing to do as a player is to come back in, 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 into that locker room and to start coming back. And on Monday, people don't get it. They'll give you Monday off. You get back to work on Tuesday. You got meetings. You got to lift weights. You, you, you got a padded practice coming up on Wednesday. You beat up a little bit. You, you already, your morale is down. It's ho- so hard to come back and be focused and ready to play that very next week. And I was scared of this game, to be honest with you, because Tennessee has a great defense themselves. Tennessee plays great on defense. They got ball players. So when I look over the last 17 games, so the last 15 of last season, the first two of this season, no team has been more successful at stopping the run than the Tennessee Titans over a 17 game stretch from the beginning of last year, week three until now, no team in NFL history is at a higher success rate against the run than the Titans. And today, which is what I think makes Deshaun Watson's performance so impressive, the Browns averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Yep. That's it. Like, they ran the ball, and, and I give credit to Stefanski for continuing to try and run the ball. They weren't effective running the ball at all. 2.8 yards per carry is abysmal. It's, it's horrible, but guess what? That when, exactly. when, you, when you stick to it, and this is all I was saying when I was telling you know, I put the blog, I said, they need to go back to the Baker Mayfield playbook. And people was like, oh, my gosh, G. Bush, I can't believe you mentioned it. Listen, when I be saying stuff, I don't be saying it to get no rise out of y'all. I'm just talking about what it is. What, what it, <laughs> the Earl does. <laughs> I just try to let y'all know, look, the playbook that they ran with, 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 with Baker Mayfield, 
can work for Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is an upgrade skill set wise over everything Baker could do. If Baker was a little too short and he get balls knocked down into line of scrimmage, guess what? Deshaun Watson is taller. He's more rugged. If it's Baker Mayfield, they didn't have the mobility. Deshaun Watson has that. He has better accuracy. So some of the things that we couldn't do in that playbook, which is pairing it down, running play action, would get stagnant after a while because they would load the box and make you make those elite throws. What I mean by is start incrementally, work some of the little passing games, Give, t- take some of the gimmies that they want to give you, especially if they're in zone coverage or cover three, and continue to work the ball up the field and sustain drives. What you can do with that is you can help your, de- your, your, your offense by two things. One, you don't need big, huge, over-the-top chunk plays because I said you don't have receivers like that. Mari Cooper is great and catching the ball in space and doing the things in Elijah, they don't have a really big deep threat. That helps them out there. And then the second thing is to, so you, this is unrefutable. We'll, we'll talk about this Monday. When you run the offense like that, you help your offensive lineman out. You don't have those crazy rushes. Now you can, those guys can't pin them ears back. Now they don't know if it's run, if it's screen, if it's pass. And today there is no, it, it is not a, a, a aberration that Jed Wills looked better, DeWan Jones looked good, there was not all that pass rush up front because you mixed it up. When you mix it up like that, that's the offensive lineman's best friend. So for me, G, and this this is just my opinion of it, I don't even necessarily know if it's a Baker Mayfield offense, man. And I'm going to be honest with everybody. I don't know what y'all seen, but for me, I was the only one who felt like Kevin Stefanski and his play calling was not the issue last week. I thought it was the execution of what was being called. And here we are again. It didn't look like the play calling was all that different from some of the plays that we seen last week or in week one. The biggest difference is the team went out there and they executed what was called. I think that sometimes, man, Kevin Stefanski gets a bad rep. Listen, not every play caller is going to call the most accurate play 100% of the time. You know, can he be better in certain situations? Absolutely, man. But that's any play caller across the league. To me, when the Cleveland Browns players go out there and execute what's being called on either side of the football, you see this team have success. You know, when they don't go out there and execute what's being called, all of a sudden Kevin Stefanski is the worst head coach. All of a sudden the play calling is vanilla. All of a sudden he needs to be doing X, Y, and Z. Dude came out throwing tight end screens like he did last week. You know what I mean? The difference was they was executed a little bit better. And so for me – this is what I was saying last week, and we seen it put on the display. Man, just go out there and execute. You got all yeah. the talent in the world. If you go out there and you execute, I guarantee you, man, with this much talent, you're going to come out victorious. Mike, it's not like that we need Deshaun Watson to throw for three, 400 yards. Nope. It's not like that we need the Cleveland Browns running backs to run for 100, 150 yards. All y'all got to do is go out there and play competent offense, Do execute what your head coach is calling you, Trust that you got an elite defense on the other side of the ball. Do enough to not lose the game, and I guarantee you the defense will go win you the game every single week. We looked at a lot of the All-22, and we were cutting up Coach Tyvis, and I called you over, Earl and Anthony, and and G, you were sick last week, but if a play works, regardless of what the call is, the coach is going to look smart, and if it doesn't work, we're going to be like, that's a terrible play call, without ever seeing – what was really the re look like? I, I always go back to the play last year, Deshaun's first game back against Houston. 
on fourth and one or fourth and two, they bring in Brissett and they try that deep shot. If that worked, we're all like, wow, what a great play call. The fact it didn't, it's easy to crush them. And I thought objectively that was a terrible play call. But we play the results game, not the process game. And I think with play calling, it's more of the process of play calling than it is the results, which may not sound fair because football is a results-based game. But we don't always see in the moment from the TV angle, was a guy open across the middle, but Deshaun or whatever quarterback, if it's the Titans, whoever, they don't have the time. That's not their progression. They're looking left when really the guy is open to the right, and he just hasn't found him yet. Like There's so many little intricacies to it that – we don't see as we go, but I do have a question for both of you guys before we get to some super chats here. Let's say the Browns offense is just average this year, right? This is the best game Deshaun plays. He's better than he was last week. Just an average offense, and I'm not I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just for the sake of this. Hear me out, okay? How many wins can this Browns team get if their defense continues to play this elite with just an average offense? <laughs> Um, all of them. I mean, listen, all crazy. Of them. I think like twelve. I think eleven. No. Twelve. I think it's that good. I'm asking to see if I'm crazy or if if I'm drunk on Kool Aid or if it's. Uh, if it's really I, I mean, good. listen, listen, G. I don't know if you know, man. I pop, I pop that fruit punch pack. You know what I'm saying? Before we started the, before we started the, uh, yeah. Before oh, the, oh, the, the, the Kool Aid is back. Hey, listen, y'all, man, y'all, y'all had an opportunity look, to get that off look, last week. The Kool Aid back. Going off the fruit punch right now, man, and doing the post game show, man. Steve Becker, I'm sorry. It is what it is. Listen, if if, the, if this is the best as it gets for the Browns' offense, and that's the Browns' defense that we that we see every week, I, I know this is all of them. Uh, bro, we giving up field goals, Mike. Field I, goals, bro. I, I, said, I said I think like 11, 12 wins. Like, that's absurd. Like I think the defense is that good. I do. Uh, Phil look, said he look. got the grape going. Man, what flavor Kool-Aid y'all got in y'all cup? Man, I, I'm on the fruit punch. Phil said he owned a great Mike. What you sipping on today? I had a, I had the limeade earlier. Yeah, he got the limeade, yes. man. I wanted I, I want to know what Kool Aid y'all sipping on today. It's a it's a victory Sunday hey. post game show, man. We <laughs> sipping that late today, boy. Hey, <laughs> Ray got that raspberry lemonade popping off. I feel you. They was up there. Listen, they was up there all sports reporterish. I was watching. Y'all catch. <laughs> y'all was way. Y'all had. Y'all had everything buttoned up all tight. Cats was just all. Listen, come on. You need some gravy on that. On that right there, bro. You need that flavor. Listen, people talk. Hey, gee, what's what's up with the Kool Aid Mafia? A Kool Aid Mafia is a way of life, dog. That that the Kool Aid Mafia is about faith. You can take an L one week. And we right back. Like, what are you talking about? We still rocking and rolling with the Kool-Aid Mafia. I will be back on Monday, and I will be back to talk my, you know what? Because guess what? The Cleveland Browns, if you talk, if you say they're going to play like that, they got a chance to beat anybody on that schedule. Anybody on that schedule, because guess what? Deshaun Watson only going to get better. He only he only gonna be he only gonna get back better. And I told people before, I said, you know what? And I'm gonna use this on the show tomorrow. I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna regurgitate it right back, run that right back like a, a fresh outfit in school. I'm gonna tell you this: it took us 59 games to to say Baker Mayfield wasn't the guy. That's how many games he started before he we moved on. It took us 23 games with Brandon Whedon to say he wasn't the guy. It took us 21 games with Colt McCoy to say, you know what, Colt McCoy is a journeyman backup. And even, even Brian Hoyer got 16 games to start. 
The fact that people, they called me the Duke of knee jerk. The fact that people was like, this is the worst trader in the history of mankind and do play nine games. I want to just rewind the clock and say, well, what was you saying in Colt McCoy's 12th game? I don't think he was saying that, bro. I got the receipts. 59 games to compare to eight. Come on now. Come on. Hmm? It's, one, it's hmm? one, one game. It was a hell of a game. Last week was not uh, to the same level. And we hope, at least I hope, as I've said many times, our show's future is dependent on the Browns winning a lot of football games. So I hope it is. <laughs> How we see Deshaun Watson perform <laughs> for the next 14 contests as well. Are you guys ready to get into some super? We've been going for an hour. We haven't got let's do it yet. And I want to see the people, bunch, the best fans in the world watching with us right now. We appreciate you, Browns Nation. Y'all are absolutely the best. If uh, I was one of the guys that I met in the Muni lot who said they were going to be tuning in, shout out to you, G Bush. You see the Kool Aid shirt I sent you from the Muni lot? Yeah, we he ready to go. He super chats. And he had and he had the white one on too. I say yeah. I don't even got that one yet. This kind of crazy. That's fresh. Oh, I like that. Chats ain't going nowhere. Did you eat good? Did you did, did did you eat good? Did they feed you? I was uh I was doing more content today. I bounced around from tailgate to tailgate. I'm going down with uh, with the uh, bull next week. Bull bailed on me this week, but he says he's coming down next week. But shout out to Jamie for feeding me. I did have uh, two burgers and a hot dog down there. Top notch okay. food and uh, is. I gotta text y'all. Something. I don't. I don't know if I can say it on here. I'm, I'm no, no. Don't. Text don't. I'm gonna text y'all. You can't Earl, say it. Earl, did, you, you did, you play, did you play the keg bowling game? Did you play? <laughs> no, I didn't. But did, I, I have to. I'll tell you the story real quick. So, I don't know what tailgate it was. It was on the. You know how there's three lanes in the Muni. Yeah. It's on the one closest to the highway, and they were. That's section eight tailgaters, baby. I know. I know exactly where you were. They were bowling with kegs, and if you didn't get any pins, you had to do push-ups. And for Titans fans, they were putting a dildo down right in front of them, making them do push-ups on a dildo uh, head to apparatus. I don't know how to say it any better. But, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty damn funny. The mini lot was crazy this morning. Uh, we got a bunch of super chats real quick. First one comes from Jeff. Great win by the Browns. Too bad Jed Wills stands around more than a road construction worker. Uh, if there was a knock today, real, real quick, G and Earl. Uh, Earl, I'll start with you. We'll finish with G. Uh, one thing, if you had to knock, would it be the offensive line as as the I, one thing that could still use a little bit of improvement? I can only use, I can only knock one thing. If I got to knock one thing, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans, right? Mm-hmm. And Coach Boone is famous for saying, "Man, you do not fumble my football." Elijah Moore. Yeah. I, now I don't care what's going on, man. You could have got hit by a jet, bro. You do not fumble the football. <laughs> you fumble the football, you run them out. Facts. I think he need to be out there right now <laughs> running the mile while everybody else is drinking champagne and getting ready for, you know, whatever they finna do for, for, for winning this game. You go run a mile before you join your teammates and celebrating this victory. That is the one. And I, this is just me keep, keeping the same energy, right? Last week, Jed Wills got beat so bad on that strip sack. What did I say to y'all? I could care less if he got beat. Deshaun Watson, you do not fumble the football. That's something my high school football coach used to say back in the day. That's something Coach Boom made famous, and I rock with it, man. I don't care what's going on. You do not fumble the football. So if I got one thing, is that I don't want to see no more fumbles. Period. Um, yeah. Listen, the offensive line could get better. Um, we'll, we'll wait to see the, what the what the film is, is talking about. Uh, our first glance, I thought Dewan Jones played well. Um, I would like to run the ball a little more, but once again, this is a very good Tennessee Titans team. 
very good defensively. One thing that I could take uh, take into uh, consideration and I want to see better, Deshaun Watson still had a play where he threw the ball backwards for some <laughs> odd reason. I was like, bro, what you doing? What, what are you doing now? Come on now. We can't. Like, it, it, and so, like, you know, Stefanski is one of them plays where as a player, you know you did something that was kind of risque, and you're going to get on – they're going to get on you about it in the film room. Um, but, you know what I'm saying, after that, he kind of buttoned it up a little bit. That was a boneheaded play. But uh, overall, you know what it is. Overall, I, I'm not hating. And overall, you know what I'm talking about. Stop playing with me. The Kool-Aid Mafia. Hey, you guys want to hear an awesome stat real quick? That Let's just, go. That proves the Browns' defensive dominance. There are six minutes to go in the first quarter of the Cardinals-Cowboys game. Uh, the Cardinals are up 9-0 and have 115 yards of offense already. The Browns gave up three points to the Titans and held them to under 100 offensive yards in the entire contest. So point for Earl and G. We're putting I, I do, the Browns' I do defense want to know this. top defensive unit in the league right now. And we could laugh about this, man, because the game is over with, man. But, you know, when they sit down in the film room. I wish Stefanski, I could be a flying wall for that play. It's the fans. He put four on, four on front street. I I, I want to know what Deshaun is going to say out of his <laughs> mouth. Because I, we collectively trying to figure out, bro, what the hell was that? Uh, we like. What, what in the world was that? <laughs> it could have been a tipping point. It was it, And that's a kudos and a testament to the mental toughness of Deshaun Watson today. All right, next super chat. Comes from Shield NA said, nice win today. Go Brownies. Set apart Laz said, we're the people that jumped off the bandwagon for Watson. Uh, certainly a better performance today. Cats are cool. That's definitely Anthony's burner. Uh, sure. Said, Hope G is feeling better. <laughs> I finally got my Kool-Aid shirt. I love it. I know Ant's still in here. Ant, uh, if that's your burner, keep your camera off. If it's not, turn it on. Jay Boyer says the Browns are back. Finally, a 300 yard game from our quarterback. <laughs> Anthony just flipped me off for anyone that can't see. They took away Cooper's touchdown on that terrible call. Uh, yeah, Deshaun earned 300 yards today. Amari earned two touchdowns. The stat sheet will not relay that. And I, I do want to apologize if you have either of those guys in your fantasy team because that is a kick in the nuts because you should have at least six, seven, eight more points, whatever it would have counted for. Kevin Robinson said, how about our kicker, the real D-Hop? Well, he's got a point because our D-Hop outscored their D-Hop 9 uh, nothing today. Yep. Yeah. Point for the kickers. James R. Baker says the real measuring stick for this team will be the 49ers, I believe. Coming off a of bye week, we got to get through Baltimore first. I don't want to look too far ahead, but it's a matchup for first place next week. Both teams are 2-1 and one now. You have a bye, then you have San Francisco. If this play continues whether the Browns win or lose against Baltimore that will be the marquee matchup in week six of the NFL all eyes across the nation will be on the Cleveland Browns on Cleveland Brown Stadium for that game against the 49ers Ryan Offenberg says this is the best Browns defense of my 40 years on the planet go dogs any objection to that no I'm 35 I ain't never seen nothing like this never seen it nothing like it Never it's seen spectacular nothing. to watch so far. It's the most fun I've ever had watching defense, right? Like, by far the most fun I've ever had watching defense, not just for the Browns, but for any team I've covered. Uh, next by up, the way, they, oh, when, they, when they win, I, I don't know what it is. There's this level of euphoria. Like, everything in the world is okay. Like, my wife can hit me with divorce papers right now. I'm like, that's cool. We need to just go ahead on separate ways. I still respect you. Like, like you just be feeling good about yourself. Like, all the food tastes good. I'm, I could watch the rest of the games and look at my fantasy league. Everything just be good, bro. 
I mean, for me, man, like I say, this is a very special day for my family. And I can just remember so many games during the fall, me, my brother, and my dad sitting there watching the Browns together. And, you know, with it being my dad's birthday, it's still hard celebrating my dad's birthday with him not being here. And with it being the 24th, with the fact that, you know, we was playing without Nick Chubb, playing for 24, then the Browns go out there and win by 24 points. I mean, it's satisfying. Yeah, it's one game, it's one week. But me personally, I needed this in ways that our fans don't know today. I personally needed this victory today for reasons that ain't even got nothing to do with the Browns. So I'm glad they got it done. Well, oh, for me, G, and the other 2,000-plus people in here, have a, have a nice glass of Henny for us tonight. All right? A oh, nice you big know. gulp, a glass of that Henny with that great Kool-Aid on top of that. Let's go, Earl. Can you, real quick, off topic, calling timeout from the Browns talk. Can you use Kool-Aid, the powder, as like an alcoholic mixer? Did I go? Yeah, of course you could. I mean, I guess you could snort it too, like amphetamine. Well, I mean, I mean, of course you could, but like, like is it good? I, listen, uh, we got 150 packs in the studio. Like, so I gotta take some home for next, no, next you, week. You, is you, what I'm asking. You actually need sugar to put with that. Like, it ain't this Kool Aid is not good by itself. That's just flavor. It's like saying, should I? You, that's like saying, hey, can I eat the ramen noodle salt packets by themselves? I, yeah, I guess you can take the chicken <laughs> okay. and take it to the head, but uh, I don't know if that's going to work out for you. Long take, take the lemonade Kool Aid packet, right, uh-huh. with the peach crown royal. You know what I'm saying? Trust that's, me. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, trust me. Trust yeah. me. That that might be. A, listen, listen. And my bad, right? I'm over here telling when I'm drinking fruit punch Kool Aid. I got the red Kool Aid in the cup. What the hell is red? What the hell is fruit punch? Bad job, bad job. It's red. It's red Kool Aid. There it is. Bad job about to be, man. All right, back to the super chats. Jay Boyer says these next three games will take Watson's A game. Our defense is on point. Dog pounded. Uh, Next up from Banana Peel Jack. Zedarius has transformed this defensive line. Miles is dominating, and it has been damn fun to watch. Uh, Anthony told me to shut up. That Broncos are getting sent to the XFL. Facts. Uh, Derek Spinner said Schwartz had them Dion glasses on. He's got an interesting style and, and unique swag on the sidelines. They they was bifocal Dion's though. Like they was kind of Benjamin Franklin small though. Like they ain't really wasn't the showstoppers. Like they didn't. The, the, Dion got the Lady Gaga's. Them joints is they like a visor. He has an Oakley shade over his half of his face. I, I here's the thing about Jim Schwartz though. That's different from Dion. You ain't about to talk no stuff to Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz might pull up on you. <laughs> Yo, do you remember he might pull up on you. Look, and he bringing Miles with him. So, yeah, I got <laughs> something for be you. Careful what you say about Schwartz, man. Do you, do you guys remember when Jim Schwartz was the head coach of the Lions and he yeah. got into it with Jim Harbaugh? Uh, but he was the coach of the 49ers. Oh yeah, they had that handshake off after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google YouTube it. it. Yeah, Google it, YouTube it. Trust me, uh, worth your time. That's the kind of guy Jim Schwartz is. Uh, Mr. Roll Up 10 says, you know Bull's going to say the Titans suck and it's early. Based on his text in the group chat today, Bull was pretty damn high in the Browns' performance. I think he called it yeah. damn near perfect. Yeah, he uh, he might got that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see tomorrow. We got to tune in at 11 a.m. tomorrow point, to find out exactly what Adam the Bull <laughs> will say. Bradley Burns says, y'all got to put some respect on shirtless Miles Garrett press conferences. 
Every time he does that, he follows it up with the Hall of Fame performance. Is that an advanced analytic that I have missed? Is that someone I have to add a graphic to the Browns? Yeah. Now, listen, if if Tegna, you're watching and my shirt, uh, my search history on Google is Miles Garrett shirtless press conferences. This is for research only. <laughs> this is a super chat request. OK, let's not get me in trouble here. Who was that? Who asked that question? Bradley Burns. Bradley Burns trying to get me fired. But uh, yeah, we'll have to do some advanced research into uh, into that. I have not put a second of thought into that. Have you guys? No, uh, but I'm surprised I haven't you seen it. But you know, <laughs> man, Mike nice. knows stats for everything, bro. I'm surprised he. I'm surprised he haven't. You know, <laughs> they came up with something like Mike could come up here. You know, it's interesting. Anytime Miles Garrett wear the white arm sleeve versus the orange arm sleeve, his it's sack differential is 1.5. And every and every time he does it, Bull rebuttals it. Mike, I don't know if that's that, that's correct. Yeah, it says right here on my, my phone that says it's, I, it's I, that's not know. true. Yeah, but, but <laughs> you know what we're gonna hear, man. You're gonna have some people feeling like it's the Titans, the Titans is not a good game. You're gonna have some people feeling like it's week three. You know, I seen in the chat they believe you know people are gonna be like, Well, it's only one game, it is one game, and it is the Titans, but you know what? The players on the field. They don't control who they play game to game, season to season. You control how you show up and you play when you yep. when you go out there and play. And for the record, I can care less how good or bad a team is, man. This is the NFL. They're all good. lining up against the yeah. best players in the entire world. Yeah. They get paid, too. They got families to feed, too. They don't want to lose their jobs, either. And so when you try to dismiss a great performance by the Browns all because of who they was playing and you're not sure about them, this, that, and the third, you're being disrespectful to everybody else that work their ass off to get to this level. And that's playing NFL football as well. Because you know what? We can't go out there and beat the Cardinals. We can't go out there and beat the Tennessee Titans. So don't take that away from them, man. Like, yeah, it is one game. And that's all you do. You play one game a week and you beat whoever's in front of you. You know, it was one game for the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts. And because of that one game for both teams, now next week is for first place. One game yeah. next. You guys want to hear a stat? Here's my advanced analytics stat of the day. In games immediately following a devastating injury to Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett's the best player in the history of football. How about that? Okay. <laughs> three and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, five quarterback hits, nine pressures, six tackles, four solo. Put some damn respect on 95's name. Yeah, uh, P. Rothstein 216 says Chubb's injury was bad, but it unlocked the real Deshaun when it's all on him, a la his days in Houston. We talked about that off the top of the show. If you didn't catch us live, just rewind. We talked to Sean Watson for the first 20-ish minutes. His performance today was stellar. Bill Rodewalt says, I sent this on Friday as well. The Browns defense was ranked second, offense seventh. Deshaun goes off. Browns win. Believe land. You better get on the bandwagon now. It's running out of room. Uh, Set apart. Laz says the national media don't want to see our offense and defense clicking on all cylinders. Uh, national media, how about National Football League? I think the other 31 teams in the league are terrified of the Browns if the offense is clicking like this and the defense is playing at the level it has through three games. Jay Boyer says, we in first place in the AFC North after that Ravens loss. Uh, they're both 2-1. and one. The Browns are now 1-1 one and one in, in division play. The Ravens beat the Bengals. Who they beat week one? The Texans. So they're one and zero in division play. So technically, would would the Ravens still be 
consider for who, you know, who gives a shit? They're both two and one. <laughs> yeah. first place, yeah. first we, we'll take week. it. It's first place next week. No one cares. Sorry. Uh, set apart, lads. Said Browns going sixteen and one with this defense. I'm on that cherry limeade. Uh, gee, we have to. I think as a UCSS group, we make a Kool Aid tomorrow, baby. Yeah, we, we have to actually make the, we have to make some Kool Aid tomorrow. Let's right? do it. We're gonna make some Kool Aid tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, do I, I, let's do it. We're do gonna it be drinking all day. Is. We got to return the favor to Pittsburgh, Maine. We owe him for that. Put somebody on the cart. Hashtag do it for Chubb. Uh, we will not endorse injuring anybody intentionally. Um, just want to make that very clear. I think we could actually get sued for that. So, uh, yeah, we'll move on. Rob Venter says, Bill Coward didn't put Miles in his top defensive players list on CBS. Coach Day said it best yesterday. Ohio against the world. Get your popcorn ready against Baltimore. Love you guys. Hey, Rob Venters, we love you too. A uh, bunch of W2S from Anthony. And last but not least, uh, do it for Chubb says, Watson too cold in the shotgun. That was the difference. Hey, Evan. Evan, Evan, Evan loyal, man. Evan 419 always in here. Evan, what flavor Kool-Aid we making tomorrow? We're going to let, let Evan keep our Kool-Aid flavor. Evan, yeah, be, Evan, Evan be you holding it down. Good point. No pressure, yeah. Evan. No pressure. Evan, Evan man, what, what, what flavor we drinking tomorrow, man? Don't give us nothing stupid either, mm-hmm. bro. Like don't don't come in with no cherry Kool Aid. I don't drown drink cherry. And shout out to our guy Butters for bringing in the Kool Aid. I think he literally brought yeah. in hundred fifty pack. Yeah, we got the best fans in the world, man. Yep. I don't know if y'all seen my Instagram post. I tagged y'all in. I said we got the best damn post game show in the city. You want some real Browns coverage after the Browns win or lose? Look, that's how that you pull up here. Pull up the UCSS. We got everything you need right here, right here. I did a little pregame content today, guys, and I or like I brought the <laughs> camera home. I tried doing it, shooting through the camera. Uh-huh. It shot crystal clear, but then I had to download it from Zoom, and it compressed the whole file, and it came out looking worse than the regular camera. Wow, I was, cool so, I was so salty. So, uh, Evan, we're waiting, bro. What flavor? So I pulled up tomorrow? to the studio, right? Um, you know, was that the fan earlier? Pulled up to the studio to chill, watch is. the game. Blue raspberry. Blue raspberry. All right. Boom. Let's Evan do it. 419 spoke. If it's bad, we're it, it's on Evan 419. Uh guys, final thoughts here, real quick. Wait, I gotta Girl. get this out before we do that. So <laughs> I pull I pull up to the studio, get ready to watch the game, get ready to do this or whatever. And some of the fans either park in the parking lot, tailgate, tailgate right in front. Y'all know me. King got a garage pass. I'll never park in a garage. So I got to jump out the car and they yelling, UCSS, Earl the Pearl. Win the post game, yeah. The this was like when I pulled up to the uh, when I pulled up to the studio today at like around one o'clock. Our studio or, or your other? Our studio. Oh, okay, okay. Our studio. Okay. So, yeah, I thought that was dope. Yeah, man, it's it's a growing movement. I, I couldn't walk to the Muni lot without getting stopped left and right. It was uh, it's pretty cool. I appreciate all you guys. G, uh, give good? me your final thought on a game. You got a minute. It's like a final take. We haven't done those in forever on the show. You got one minute. <clears throat> final take on the game. We got a hard out time at 121 on the clock. Easy money. Well, listen, the Cleveland Browns did what they needed to do. They came out. Maybe some of you guys will, will not jump off the Deshaun Watson bandwagon. Maybe some of y'all will come on and understand that he is a, a quarterback that we thought he was. And it took some time to get there. But I think right now, moving forward, you're going to see that they got the guy they need to. The game plan will get better. He'll get more comfortable, and his defense is sustainable. I think the Cleveland Browns really showed us something about bouncing back on a tough loss against Pittsburgh Steelers moving forward. The Cleveland Browns are going to be a team that nobody want to play, and you're going to have to talk about this pretty soon, and that's just what it is. Oh. 
for me, my biggest takeaway from the game, man, complete game. They went out there and they did it for Nick Chubb, like they, they like they said they was going to do a game that they they definitely needed to go win. Um, I appreciate seeing Deshaun Watson play his best game as a member of the Cleveland Browns. I appreciate Miles Garrett, a big time player, stepping up in a big time game that the Browns needed to win and and making big time plays. Uh, everything was about twenty four for me today, and um, I just love how they competed from start to finish. They dominated the game. The game was never in question. It was it was never close. Uh, shout out to the Browns, man, for doing what I needed them to do today. And I'll wrap it up with this. The making of a good team is getting punched and punching back. And I don't think the Browns could have suffered a bigger gut punch than what happened on Monday night between losing Nick Chubb and losing that football game in the fashion they did. It was a short week. It was a quick turnaround. It's a physical Tennessee team. It's a Mike Vrabel team who you never see get bullied. And the Browns whooped that ass. Point blank, period, in all three facets of the game. There was not for a second where I was worried about the Tennessee Titans scoring on offense. The only points they scored came on a field goal off a turnover and a short yardage situation where they did not pick up a single first down. Offensively, Deshaun Watson looked as good as he has in a Cleveland Browns uniform yet. And we all said he needed that one game that one game to remind himself that he is that dude, and I think today was that game. They overcame a bad ref call. They overcame the Nick Chubb injury. They overcame a debilitating loss on Monday night, and they came out and opened a can of whoop-ass on Tennessee. And to me, that's the makings of a damn good football team that will be in it from not just today, but to the end of the season. For Earl the Pearl, for G. Bush, I'm Mikey McNuggets. We are the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. We are back tomorrow, 11 a.m. on the YouTube channel. We appreciate every single one of you guys who tune in, hang out with us, chill with us after a post-game show, and it's a lot more fun after a win. I can promise you that. It is a lot more fun after a win, but we do it for you guys. We will see you tomorrow. We love you, and go Brownies. Sleep well tonight. Peace. <laughs>